faith in American Christianity is most often seen as an act of will. It's a desire, it's an attitude, it's a habit. Pastor Todd Peppercorn, on his presentation at this summer's Issues Etc. Making the Case conference, making the case for a Lutheran view of depression. But what happens when you have a mental illness? Whether we're talking about depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, or any number of mental illnesses, all of these mess with your brain, your ability to interact with the outside world. How does God work in that kind of circumstance? You can meet and hear Pastor Todd Peppercorn June 9th and 10th at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference in Collinsville, Illinois. For more information, just look for the Making the Case logo at issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. We don't treat religion like a subject that we think influences the news and what influences what happens in the world. The God of Islam wants us to die for him. Jesus died for us. A conscience that's bound to anything other than God's word is enslaved to idolatry. When we do our own thing as a congregation, ignoring history, ignoring the divine liturgy's history and so forth, we have, in a sense, become an island unto itself. Topics you can really sink your teeth into. That's why Iowa dentists love issues, etc. When you hear the word meditation, I know what you're picturing. Someone sitting cross-legged, eyes closed, palms upturned, and their mind is clear. They're seeking, what, tranquility or oneness with the universe. Can Christians meditate? And I'm not talking about that kind of meditation. I don't know that Christians have a choice because Scripture commends meditation on God's Word. So there must be something different about Christian meditation on the text of Scripture than what we think of when we think of meditation. Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to continue our series on Christian devotion, talking about meditating on the text of Scripture. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller will be our guest. Pastor Hans Feeney joins us after that to talk about the outrage over comments made by Vice President Mike Pence about being alone with women other than his wife. And Bill McKeever will join us for Mormonism Research Ministry to talk about an AP story on Mormon leaders recently calling for more baptisms for the dead from the Mormon faithful. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is a regular guest. He is a pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio. He's author of the new resource, The Devotional Challenge Book, and he joins us in our series on Christian devotion to talk about meditating on the text. Brian, welcome back. Thank you. Most of the time when people hear, and this applies even to Christians, sadly, you hear that word meditation, they think about sitting in the lotus position clearing the mind, maybe thinking of nothing, trying to make the mind as empty as possible. Is that what we're going to be talking about? No, the opposite of that. I, I remember that, reading that book on Buddhist practices when you're in college, the book that everybody reads about being a Buddhist when they're in college, and that's the that's the Eastern idea of meditation, is you start to blur the lines between yourself and the other, and all this kind of emptying and slowing and all that sort of thing. The, the Christian idea of meditation is the precise opposite of that. 
We're not emptying our mind. We want to fill our mind with the Lord's Word. We have the treasure of the Scriptures, and we want it to be echoing in our mind and in our heart. And that's really what Christian meditation is. It's putting the Lord Lord's Word into our mind so that it echoes around, so that it bounces around in there and uh, does it does its work and bears its fruit. You actually point out that the Bible doesn't talk about reading the Bible, but it does talk about meditating on Scripture. Yeah, blessed is the man whose delight is on, in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's directly from Psalm 1, verse 1, and this is the, or verse 3 or 4, that's the blessing that we have uh, in, the, in the Scriptures is when we, when we meditate on it. So it's a direct instruction from the scriptures that we would meditate. Now, it's, it was a surprise to me. It continues to be a surprise to me that the Bible never says, read the Bible. But I suppose that that's all right once we get past the fact that the, way, the, that the scriptures um, expect a, an engagement with the, their own words that goes beyond simply reading. And I think that's what this challenge for week five is, is to push past simply reading the words and to, to pause and consider. Uh, to, the, the classic picture here is, I think it comes from Luther, although I guess everything comes from Luther, even if you can't find it, but it's, it's been quoted enough that I think it's, it's probably there, that uh, he uses the picture of a cow uh, chewing on the cud. So apparently the way that cows eat is they chew on the thing for a little while, then they swallow it, then they spit it back up, and they chew for a little while, then it's swallowed again. And th- This is the picture that Luther gives us of, of Christian meditation. That we take the scriptures and we chew on it for a little while, then we swallow it, then we regurgitate it and we think about it a little bit more, and we let those words uh, bounce around in our minds and our hearts. You also liken it to kind of the fanaticism over your favorite team. How would you draw out that analogy? Well, I I think, and I want to press towards a kind of normal definition of meditation, so that when... Todd, when you and I sit here and talk about a Bible passage, that also is meditation. When I when I teach my kids a, a scripture text, that's that's meditation. When we're walking around and and uh, I make a joke about a psalm to someone as a car drives by, that's that's meditation. That meditation is nothing other than conversation, either internally uh, or externally. So that you know, we always often think of meditation as a silent sort of thing. But the biblical idea of meditation is is loud. It's noisy. It has to do with this conversation. So if if I really love the Broncos and I'm paying attention to the Broncos, I'm I'm interested in the Broncos. When the Bronco news comes on, I tell everyone, shh, quiet, I want to know what's going on. I ask people if they saw the game and I'm talking to them about the newest coach and all this sort of stuff. That's That's a form of meditation. I'm interested in the thing, so I'm learning more about it and I'm talking about it. I, I noticed this when I was with, um, there's some folks at, uh, in my family who uh, both invest in the stock market, and they have a couple of shared stocks. They have stocks in the same company, and, and they're just interested in it. So they pay attention to the news, they read articles about it, they talk to each other about it, and I realized that that's a form of meditation, probably a meditation there on the on the Seventh Commandment, just financial sort of things is a type of meditation. There's a meditation on when people have shared hobbies and they have these great interests in things and they and they talk about them and they study them and they think about them. Well, this is all wonderful and good, but the Christian should especially be interested, curious, wondering, and talking about the Scriptures. And 
And to understand that as a form of meditation, I think, is very, very important. Sunday school is meditation on the Lord's Word. Going to church and hearing the Bible is meditation on the Lord's Word. And we want to have that happening really constantly throughout our day and throughout our life. The other distinction that we need to make here is that uh, more kind of secular or Eastern forms of meditation have as the goal, what, peace of mind or tranquility, those kinds of things. Relaxation, maybe someone just does this to relax and ease stress. This is work, isn't it? This isn't, I'm going to sit and be practically unconscious with the Bible open in front of me. Well, Jesus tells the parable of the sower who goes out to sow seed. And what the thing that we notice is as soon as the seed is sown, then the birds come to pluck away the seed. So as soon as we take the seed of the Lord's word and, and try to plant it in our mind and our heart, we know that it's going to be under attack by the devil. This is why Luther says there's three things that make a theologian, meditation, prayer, and suffering or temptation. And they all go together. So as soon as we get after meditating on the Lord's word, it bears fruit of joy and, and delight, but it also brings spiritual affliction. I mean, the Bible says things to us that we perhaps don't want to hear. Uh, it, the law comes to us, you know, to, to kill us, to put us to death uh, before the gospel comes to raise us up so that the scriptures bring with it the temptation of the devil as we meditate on it. And it, so it's true. It's not only is it work, but it is also suffering. And the goal isn't merely to better understand. How would you explain that? Well, the scriptures are efficacious. We have to remember that not only are the scriptures inspired, infallible, and inerrant, these kind of attributes that we speak all the time, which talk of the source and the truthfulness of the scriptures, but we also say that the scriptures are efficacious, that is, that they're powerful. The gospel accomplishes things. God, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Paul tells us in, in Romans 10. Uh, my word accomplishes the purpose for which I sent it, says the Lord through Isaiah, so that the scriptures are, are doing the work. It's, the, the Lord's word is more than information. So the, uh, the Lord's word, and, and especially when we understand the word of law and gospel, it kills us and it makes us alive. Uh, it, it casts down the prideful and it lifts up the lowly. Uh, and it gives shape to our lives, to our talking, to our, to, to our living, uh, to our thinking even. Uh, and so the scriptures are, are living and active. And when we engage with the text, uh, it's not, in fact, chiefly our work, although it is, but it, it is especially the work of the Holy Spirit. God's word is the, the tool or the instrument, is what our confessions call it, the instrument of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his purpose of convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So when we take up the scripture, that's what happens. I want to be careful here. Because just kind of drawing the contrast between Eastern forms of meditation and Christian meditation on the text is very important. There are so many resources out there and even techniques, so to speak, some of them deeply ancient techniques that uh, the Christian needs to be careful to steer clear of. There's all kinds of techniques of prayer and techniques of, I'm thinking about thinking of scripture while you walk the labyrinth or something like that that are promoted within Christianity that are in and of themselves a danger to Christians. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and there's probably nothing more trendy nowadays than mindfulness. You have all this mindfulness stuff and you got to download the mindfulness app and I mean, this is not this is not what we're after. We're not after a calm mind. We're not after a mind that's 
so wound in on itself that it can't be moved or anything like that. This is not the goal. The goal is to have a, a hearing of what God would say to us in his word, that, to listen to the word. And oftentimes, and, and this is really what I'm after, Todd, oftentimes when we, when we approach the scripture, the first thing we think is, oh, I've heard that before. It becomes familiar to us. It loses its surprise, its sharpness, its delight. And so one of the best ways to meditate on the Scripture is to listen to, to uh, your pastor preach and teach the Scripture and, and for him to bring out treasures, old and new, to put these things in front of you, to give attention not to yourself or to your circumstances or to your surroundings, but to give attention to the text. And so the idea of meditating on the text is precisely that idea, to give attention to these most blessed treasures of the words of God. But the benefits here, and the benefits are manifold, obviously, because as you've pointed out, the Word is active by the power of the Holy Spirit in the mind, in the spirit of the Christian. One will emerge from this actually knowing the Bible better, won't they? Yeah, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago when we talked about memorizing the Scripture, which is a great and blessed thing to do. Uh, is that as we meditate on the Scripture, and the Scripture now comes along and it surprises us. We see something new. We notice something we hadn't noticed before. We we pay attention to a word that's there, or we notice a word that's not there, uh, a twist in the text that had never occurred to us or whatever. When we start to see these things, then the the wonder of the Scripture starts to unfold for us, and we almost memorize them unintentionally. The Scriptures start to stick. We start to We start to notice it more, especially when we can kind of sink our imagination through our ears, use our imagination to grab a hold of the text, we, we start to know the text better. And that is, in, in fact, one of the most wonderful blessings of meditating on the text. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest. It's part five of our series on Christian devotion. Today we're talking about meditating on the text. When we come back, what questions ought to be alongside that scripture text when we're meditating on it? Common and experienced firsthand by sitting down in classes and actually hearing professors. Coming to chapel, which is always the high point of the day, to hear the Word of God and to lift our voices in song. Issues Etc. regular guest Dr. Paul Grimm on why you should consider visiting Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Spend time talking to professors. I mean, there's not a professor here who will not be willing to, to take time, whether it's after chapel during the coffee hour or just to come into one's study and, and sit down and talk for a while to answer questions, to you know, help them to get a sense of, A, you know, do they want to be a pastor or a deaconess? And then B, is this the right place? And well, maybe C would be the question, is now the right time for them to make that decision? If you've contemplated the vocation of pastor or deaconess, contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or send an email to admission at ctsfw.edu. Your daily Lutheran Bible class. You're listening to Issues Etc. People are talking about the Lutheran Federal Credit Union. Lutheran FCU was created solely to serve LCMS workers, families, and entities, and proceeds benefit LCMS organizations. Lutheran FCU offers deposit accounts and loans and has service access at thousands of branches and ATMs nationwide. Lutheran FCU also offers members Christian-based lending advice for new loans and refinancing minimal account fees, and superior personalized service. Check them out at lutheranfcu.org. Emmanuel means God with us. 
God is with us at Emanuel Lutheran Church and School at 1285 Main Street in Hamilton, Ohio, near Cincinnati. God is with us as we gather on Sunday at 8 and 1045 a.m. for divine service. God with us in his word of forgiveness, with us in the waters of baptism, with us in the body and blood of Christ in Holy Communion, with us in the classrooms of our school and child care serving children from age 3 to 8th grade. Join us for worship or enroll your child in our Christ-centered day school. Find us at EmmanuelHamilton.com. Our series is Christian Devotion. We're talking about meditating on the text on this Monday, April the 3rd with Pastor Brian Wolf-Miller. He is co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and author of the new resource, The Devotional Challenge Book. You can download it absolutely free under the Listen On Demand page at issuesetc.org. Brian, when you sit down, you are you have the text in front of you, and then the questions begin to occur. What kind of questions ought to be alongside the text of Scripture in this Christian meditation? Yeah, we want to ask ourselves to help engage our imagination— and, and Luther will talk about this all the time, that you, it's through the ears that you see the text. So you see the text, and you smell the text, and you feel the text, but, but you do it through your ears. So it's hearing, it's always hearing first before it's seeing or anything else. But in this way, um, we can try to engage all of these senses. So what are the sounds? What are the colors? What are the, what are the smells of the text? What do the different people in the text want? How do they feel? What's driving them? This this is the kind of question that can help us to kind of to, to get into the text. I was trying to teach, a couple years ago we had a vicar and I was trying to teach him how to preach. I don't know how to figure that stuff out. And uh, But we kind of settled down on this, is that you're ready to write a sermon about the Gospels when you can smell it. In other words, when you've kind of, you've You've stood there in Galilee, or you've stood there in the temple in Jerusalem, and you've you've engaged in the conversation in such a way that it's it's leapt off of the page, and and you've recognized that this is a real historical event. It's amazing to me, to, you know. I've been able to travel to some of these places, to Jerusalem and to Ephesus, and and this sort of thing. So you read about it on the page, but then when you stand in the place and you realize, oh, these this actually happened. There were actually real people and there was real places and real words that were spoken and real stones that were picked up to throw at people and 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 real knives and real swords and real blood to engage in the text as a as a historically true sort of thing now it starts to to come to life i mean the life is there in the text but now we start to engage in it as as true history and the true works of god and it becomes uh, that much more engaging for us and in- engages our own hearts and minds uh, in this. Is this where we talked earlier about law and gospel? Is this where kind of practicing, uh, what shall we say, exercising that distinction, trying it out on a text, uh, be- kind of comes into play for the Christian? Well, we always want to keep that in the back. That's why thinking about law and gospel comes before meditating on the text, because the chief thing we come out of the text with is, how was the text uh, showing me my own sin, uh, showing me God's will in the law, and how is it showing me uh, God's will in the gospel, the forgiveness of my sins? Uh, that's, that's going to be the chief thing. That's what the text is going to be doing. So uh, that's always going on in the background. And now as we begin to meditate on the text, the strong conviction of the law and the sweet comfort of the gospel 
grows. The, the strength of the conviction of the law grows, and the sweetness of the gospel grows. The other thing that people may wrongly associate with meditation, even on Scripture, is that it's a solitary, maybe even private activity. Is that necessarily true? No, it's the opposite. So, you know, uh, Moses reminds us what we're supposed to do with the Ten Commandments. We're supposed to write it on the walls, on the doors, and on our foreheads, and we're supposed to talk about it all the time. When we wake up, when we lie down, when we're going on the way, that we're supposed to be talking about the Ten Commandments to our children all throughout the day. Now we expand that to the Creed and all the Scriptures, and that's a form of meditation, that we're that we're rolling a- around the Scriptures in our minds, and it just is going to f- fall out. It's like if you're trying to carry around a full glass of water all day, you're just going to spill it, you know? If you, It's just going to c- come out. And so when we do that with the Scriptures, when we when we let the scriptures occupy our minds, it's just going to spill out here and and there. Uh, I've got a couple of pastor friends; they're the the best at this. I can just tell the text that they're thinking about. Most often, they'll take a, their sermon text or whatever, they'll translate it, but they'll start meditating on it, and it'll it'll come out in almost every theological conversation. They'll be engaged in a conversation and with someone, and the comfort that they bring to them is from the text that they're meditating on. The instructions that they bring is from the text that they're meditating on. They'll carry around a gospel reading or a psalm, and they'll find how it applies to almost every different circumstance, because they're they're just holding it in their mind and their heart. Uh, very intentionally through the week, and that's a great uh, example of meditation. It's not, it's not keeping it to yourself. It's precisely the opposite. Can this become Bible study? I mean, if someone says, "Well, no, this is my meditation." Then they find out, oh, forty-five minutes have passed by, and I'm still thinking about this text and looking up this and that, still pondering it. Yeah, that's precisely what it is. And and uh, to realize that our Bible study is meditation on the text and that our meditation on the text is Bible study and it's it's really that simple. It's nothing more fancy or complicated than that. And to say that it doesn't it goes beyond that time when we're sitting there engaged, you know, looking up the cross references or thinking about the text or praying the text or or looking at the context. That that's all part of it. And then it it extends beyond that when I when I go to say my prayers or when I go to uh, have a conversation with someone over lunch, or when I go about my my work uh, in the factory or in the field or wherever, that, that that meditation on the text continues. When I get a free moment, when I'm waiting in line, I try to bring that text back up to my mind and consider what it is and what it says. And that Bible study continues to kind of overflow into our into our lives, and that's the meditating on the text. You know, the the example here is like a. A song that gets stuck in your head, you know, just kind of rolling around there in the back. Well, this is what we want to try to have happen with the words of our Lord Jesus and the Scriptures. They, just, they get stuck in our head, and they're just repeating themselves there and, and giving us the blessing of the Lord's wisdom. Give us an example, if you would, a text, how you would kind of walk us through it, talk us through it, go about a simple process of this meditation you're talking about. The first text I put in the book is Matthew 4, which is the temptation of Jesus. Uh, this is a really rich text. And again, this is the problem. I mean, we could spend our whole lives just studying this one text and never come to the to the fullness of it. There's so much there. But I have, we know the text. Jesus, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he's driven by the Holy Spirit into, uh, into the wilderness for this 40 days and, and 40 nights of fasting after his baptism. And then at the end of this, the devil comes to him. And the scriptures give us three major temptations. Turn this rock into bread, 
And then up to the pinnacle of the temple, throw yourself down, the angels will catch you. And then to the highest mountain, and worship me, and I'll give you the world. And the the Lord Jesus refutes him with the scriptures at each time, in fact, with Deuteronomy. And and then I'd, I ask these questions to kind of activate the imagination uh, with the text. And you can maybe from these get a flavor of what I'm going for. Can you imagine the hunger of Jesus? Well, you know, can you feel the pain of it? Or can you smell the bread that the devil puts in front of him? This idea of turn this stone into bread. And now here comes this great temptation. The pain of the, the Lord Jesus in his stomach, his deep and profound hunger, and the temptation to, to have that hunger satisfied. Can you imagine it? That's a one way to get into the text. Or here's another set of questions. How would it be to stand on the top of the temple and have the devil talking about the angels and their arms ready to catch you? In other words, what does that temptation look like? What does it feel like? Especially when Jesus hears the devil quoting the Psalms. How, how is that going to be for Jesus in that conversation? Or, or this, the, uh, the next question, what would it be like for Jesus to be on the mountain and to see all the nations of the world and to hear the devil's offer to concede all of his authority to Jesus? Uh, what is the temptation there? H- how would it come to Jesus? H- how would the devil try to present it? I remember reading uh, Milton's Paradise Regained, where he goes through all of this sort of thing, and he, and he does a poetic meditation on these temptations, and, and that's really the exercise that we're after here. And then here's the last, which is my favorite question. Uh, what does the face of the devil look like as Jesus quotes the Scripture? Now, we can't know how the devil looked when Jesus was refuting him with the Scriptures, but we can imagine it, and we can delight in it, because we see the devil's authority just being absolutely demolished, not by the power of Jesus, but by Jesus bringing to the devil uh, the Scriptures. And, his, and, and you can see the look of utter defeat and, and utter weakness when the devil is presented with the Lord's Word in all of its strength. And those are some questions that I, at least here in the workbook, have offered to kind of help uh, move people into a meditating on the text and considering it and thinking about it more. With about 30 seconds next time, we're going to be talking about reading the Psalms. What lies ahead? Give us a brief preview. Yeah, we're moving from the, uh, really from the Gospels to the Psalms, and the Psalms are going to be the kind of linchpin of Christian devotion. Really, they have been all the time. So we're going to consider for a few weeks what it means to read the Psalms, to read them out loud, to listen to them, meditate on them, what to look for in the Psalms, and how to pray the Psalms. That's coming up. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, co-host of the weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio, and he's author of the new resource, The Devotional Challenge Book. Brian, thanks for being our guest. You got it. On the other side, we're going to talk about an AP story, Mormon Leaders Encourage More Baptisms for the Dead. Bill McKeever of Mormonism Research Ministry will be our guest. At Concordia University, Irvine, you can pursue advanced theological study for academic, professional, or personal development. Concordia's Master of Arts in Theology program is grounded in the truth of Scripture and insights from the Lutheran Confessions. Courses are taught online and at intensive on-campus sessions in the summer. Apologetics, Christian education leadership, and Reformation studies are just a few of the emphases offered. For more information, 
Visit cui.edu slash theology. The 500th anniversary of the Reformation approaches. A good time to ask, who are we as confessional Lutherans? What's our heritage? The Confessional Lutherans for Christ Commission has produced the Layman's Guide to Theological History. Go to the clcc.org and see which of these presentations and books would be most helpful to you and your fellow parishioners. And consider becoming a member with us as the CLCC seeks to help more people know what it means to be a confessional Lutheran. The clcc.org. Do you know the five things you definitely should not hear in an Easter sermon? Better still, would you recognize the five things you absolutely should? Here's a hint. Expect to hear Jesus. Read the April edition of The Lutheran Witness to learn more. Not a subscriber? Go to cph.org slash try Lutheran Witness for a special offer of six issues for only $6.99. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the contemporary world from a Lutheran perspective. cph.org slash try Lutheran Witness. Dr. Anthony Eslin will be speaking on the topic of imagination and education at the second annual Wittenberg Academy Family Retreat, which will be held at Camp Okoboji in Milford, Iowa on April 27th through the 29th, 2017. Join us and be immersed in God's Word, thoughtful discussions, and family fun. For more information or to register, visit www.wittenbergacademy.org and click on the registration tab. Grace, Faith, Scripture, and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues Etc. Are you tired of working out at big box gyms? You'll find quality personal training and qualified instruction at Performance Fitness in Edwardsville. You can even work out for a full 30 days before making a commitment to join. Find out more at performancefitness618.com or call 618-692-5063. Performance Fitness is the facility in the St. Louis Metro East where the focus is on member results, not membership numbers. performancefitness618.com If you're like me, you remember when education was about the basic skills of reading, writing, and arithmetic, and about reading great literature and history that gave our kids models of what it is to be a good person. Memoria Press's Classical Christian Curriculum is bringing this kind of education back. Get $5 off your next order by using the coupon code LPR. For more information, go to memoriapress.com. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. 